Oh, look at these guys. They already know. So if you're if you're here for uh, Reach Kids, go ahead and head out now. But uh, it looks like everyone already headed out, so we're good. All right. Uh, pray with me. Father, we come to you this week um, thankful that we can come together. Thankful that we can be the church together. That we can encourage one another and, and run this race together. I'm thankful for, for the family that we have here. And Father, I, I know that, that we come here with heavy hearts, many of us. That we come with, with many sorrows and many trials and Father, we thank you that, that we can trust you, that you're full of love, that, that you have a purpose and a plan that we cannot see. Father, I ask that you would give us greater faith and that faith would be founded upon not, not our emotions or not our performance, not in what we do, but we founded upon what Christ has done, that you will bring us through, that we can abandon everything and and give our lives to you, and, and you will make sure that we get where we need to go. Father, I ask that uh, this sermon would help us to, to do that, to give our lives to you and to, to keep running, to keep uh, moving towards you out of love for you. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. All right. Well, it's, it's good to be back. Uh, I was away, and it's, it's good to be back. So uh, we'll jump right into it. We are continuing our series, um, Everyone Needs a Friend. Everyone Needs a Friend. <laughs> There's some friends here. Um, and we're looking at a, a, another aspect of friendship today. We're looking at the, the subject of encouragement. Encouragement. Everyone needs a friend, and everyone needs an encouraging friend. And it makes sense that, that friends would be encouragers because, as we've talked about uh, in the past, friendship, it's a, it's a side-by-side relationship where you're pursuing something together. That's what a friend is. You are pursuing this, this singular goal together. And so friends, by necessity, kind of rally the troops and, and tell each other to keep, keep pushing forward. Now, that goal can be something like really noble, like two women meeting together to to talk about how to encourage one another to be better wives and better mothers. Or it could be like two teenagers encouraging each other to jump off the roof and, and jump into the pool and break each other's arms. There's always that encouragement. That's just what friends do. They encourage uh, for, for good or for, for bad. And we need to talk about how we can encourage one another. That in a Christian friendship... We are encouraging each other to press on to glorify Jesus Christ and get to our eternal reward, to get to our, our heavenly destination. And we owe that to each other as friends. We need to learn to encourage others and to receive encouragement ourselves. But today we're actually going uh, one step back and we're talking about why we need encouragement. Why in this Christian life do we need encouragement? Now, for some of you, that's a very ethereal reaction. You're, you're, you obviously know we need encouragement because you have been discouraged. 
But sometimes I, I find myself not wanting encouragement. Maybe I think I'm above it. Like, oh, I, I don't want to hear it again. I, I know the message. I get kind of burnt out hearing it. Or maybe I don't want to give it because it can seem kind of sappy or preachy. And I feel preachy enough as it is, as a preacher. So, but I think we need to, or it just doesn't seem necessary that, that everyone's just doing fine. Let's just, let's just press on. Um, so I want to talk about and, and kind of get your buy-in as to why we desperately need to encourage one another. Why we desperately need to encourage one another. And to do that, we're going to be looking at Hebrews chapter 3, verses 7 through 14. So Hebrews chapter 3. Um, Hebrews chapter 3. All right. Um, and as you turn there, um, there are three reasons that we desperately need encouragement in this Christian life. First of all, we need encouragement because the Christian life is a trek through the wilderness, through the desert. That's how it's described in Hebrews. Second, we need encouragement because our hearts are vulnerable and actually kind of pulled towards sin and unbelief. That's where we naturally lean. And third, we desperately need encouragement because true faith perseveres. We have to make sure that we're holding fast to our confession, our original confession of Christ. So those are our three things. Uh, we're in the wilderness, our hearts are vulnerable, and we need to persevere. And to do that, we're going to desperately need encouragement. So let's read Hebrews 3, verses 7 through 14. Hebrews 3, verse 7. Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion on the day of testing in the wilderness, where your fathers put me to the test and saw my works for 40 years. Therefore, I was provoked with that generation and said, They always go astray in their hearts. They have not known my ways. As I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart, leading you to fall away from the living God. But exhort one another every day, as long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. For we have come to share in Christ, if indeed we hold our original confidence firm to the end. All right, this is a, hopefully a more encouraging passage than it sounded just reading it. I, I, I don't know. But uh, so let's, let's jump right in. First of all, we need encouragement because this is a trek through the wilderness. Now, if you're familiar with the book of Hebrews, the book of Hebrews is actually a big sermon. And it's a sermon uh, centered on encouragement. It's an encouraging sermon to a bunch of Jewish Christians. And so what this book does is it takes all the Old Testament themes and history and stories and uses them to help these New Testament Christians persevere in their faith. 
basically using something that they, they already know really well and showing how it points to Christ and it, it points to their, their need to persevere in their faith in Christ. In our passage this morning, it's looking at the Exodus. It's looking at the Exodus and using the, the story, the Exodus and, and the movement through the wilderness to encourage the people. Now, yeah, hopefully you're, you're somewhat familiar with the, the Exodus. If you're not, brief summary, brief summary. Uh, Exodus started with release from slavery. Israelites were, were oppressed and were enslaved in Egypt. and The Lord freed them, delivered them out of their oppression and their slavery. Think of the, the 10 curses. We think of the, the, ex, think of the, the Passover, the parting of the Red Sea, this glorious and the, the greatest salvation in all of Old Testament. Then the people, they go through the wilderness. They're dependent upon God on the way. They're eating the manna that is falling from heaven. They're being led by the pillar of fire and the pillar of the cloud. They're drinking water from, from rocks out in the desert. And they're moving towards the promised land, the land of Cana, the land of milk and honey. So that's the story. And we see the parallels there between the Christian life. That God actually orchestrated this whole history. This is our sovereign God orchestrating history so that it would point forward to the Christian life. It would help us understand the Christian life. And the Christian life starts with a freedom from slavery, namely to sin. Slavery to sin and oppression from it. And the Christian life ends with getting to our heavenly destination to rest, to the true promised land. But the unfortunate reality is that that means that this Christian life is life in the wilderness, in the desert. Look at verse 7 here. Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. On the day of testing in the wilderness, where your fathers put me to the test and saw my works for 40 years. Therefore, I was provoked with that generation and said, They always go astray in their heart. They have not known my ways. As I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. So the author of Hebrews is saying here, through, through this psalm, by quoting it, he's saying that we find ourselves in the wilderness. That that's what this life is for the Christian. And all of the dangers and all the struggles of that generation moving through the wilderness is true for the Christian life. We're moving through the wilderness, which means that there's all the hardship of the desert. So we have the sun, the sun beating down upon us. We know the trials and the suffering and the pain of this life. That's the reality of, of what the Christian life looks like. Or we see the desolation. There's no food, there's no water. And that's where we're in a place where spiritual sustenance is, is hard to come by. We don't just trip over it. Actually, we need God to, to sustain us and to give us what we need to keep moving forward. And then there's the danger of being in the wilderness. The danger of being lost. 
the, the danger of, of enemies coming upon us. But most of all, there's the danger of temptations. That the desert, the wilderness is a place of temptation. And there's three main temptations here in the wilderness. The first one is to go back to Egypt. To go back to slavery to sin. That you're moving forward and it's just, it takes too much faith. And it's too hard to live day by day upon God. And so we think, well, maybe it was better before. Maybe it was better back in Egypt. Back in slavery, back in our sin. Because a sinful life doesn't require faith. It doesn't require us to trust God to provide what we need. No, we can get what we need. It'll kill us and it'll enslave us. But we don't have to be dependent. That's the number one temptation. Second temptation. There's a temptation to just to stop walking forward. That we find a sort of oasis, what we think is an oasis in the desert. We decide, well, let's replace our tents. Let's build houses here. Why, why do we need to keep moving forward? Let's just stay right here. And we live in this life. We live in the wilderness. We live in this, this place of, of eventual death and not living for, to get to our, our true home, our true destination. But the, the third one, the third one is actually what this passage focuses on. The third temptation in the desert is to test God. To test God. Verse 8. Do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion on the day of testing in the wilderness where your fathers put me to the test. Israelites, as they were walking through, they started to test God. And what does that testing look like? We put God to the test when we, we question and test his goodness. So we have an idea. We, we, we create a test in our mind. Well, if God were really good, he would do this and this and this. And then we demand from God and say, well, God, if you are, are truly good, You'll give me this to eat. You'll give me this kind of life. You'll provide for me in this way. And it's easy to test God's goodness because in the desert, we, we don't see this abundance of riches. And we can start to doubt that God actually is good because we don't see it all around us. What else does testing look like? We can test his faithfulness. We can question him. And complain. We start calling out to God. Why did you leave us in the desert? I mean, of all the places. Like really you had to leave us in the desert. Are you really good? Are you really going to get us through? Is the food going to run out? Is the water going to run dry? They start demanding that, that they get, get things ahead of time. That they don't have to have faith. They start to question his purpose. They test God's purpose. And they have expectations of what God is going to do. God, you need to get us out of this desert right, right now. We can't stand it any longer. I, I can get us out of here. Just We stop listening to his voice. 
we come up with a better plan. There's temptations in the desert. There's temptations in the desert. And that's where the, the hard reality is that some people don't make it through the desert because of these temptations. This generation of Israelites, they don't make it through the desert. They don't make it to the promised land. They, they perish along the way because they cannot persevere. They don't endure. What's your, what's your image in your head of the Christian life? The Christian life. What is your, your mental picture of that? Is it skipping through the wilderness or skipping through the, the garden? Is it this kind of triumphal march that Jesus has been victorious and we're just going to have victorious lives? The biblical picture is that it's, it's the wilderness. And I hope that changes how you think about encouragement because you're not going to make it through the wilderness without encouragement without someone alongside of you reminding you that God is good and God is faithful and God has a purpose. This is a, a life and death kind of thing. And we keep, keep telling each other over and over to keep moving forward because God is good and he's going to get us through the wilderness to a better place. We need to have a, a realistic image of the Christian life. And that should make us desperate to, to receive encouragement and to encourage others. All right. Second point. And second reason we need encouragement is because our hearts are incredibly vulnerable to sin and to unbelief. To sin and to unbelief. Notice that the verses I already read, it talks about, do not harden your heart. They went astray in their hearts. And then verse 12 builds on that. Verse 12. Take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an, un, an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. There's a problem with our hearts. And you know what that means, a problem with our hearts? What the heart is, is a source of our, our loves and our worship, and our devotion. The problem is that, that our hearts, the center of our worship, doesn't actually believe God. And it tends to, to run after sin. And contrast that with the fact that the problem isn't what we know. It's not our mind. That the people who went through the wilderness, they, they saw all the same things. They saw the, the Red Sea part. They ate the manna from heaven. They drank the water from the rock. They knew that God was good, but they didn't believe it. Their hearts didn't trust him. Their hearts didn't actually believe it. And that's where encouragement, encouragement is more than just education. It's more than just teaching each other or, or telling each other a, a fact about God. 
Because the problem isn't with our knowledge, it's the problem with our heart, with what we love, with what we're devoted to. And that's where... I realized I realize this at seminary, probably. At the end of seminary, I realized, okay, I'm probably not going to learn that much more about God. It's kind of weird to say that, but like, I'm probably not going to learn much, many more facts about God. Or about what Jesus did, or about kind of redemptive history. I think like, I know most of the facts. And I think that probably most of you know a lot of the facts. At this point, you don't need more teaching. We need to actually believe. To believe what is actually true and to, to live like it is true. When you all come here, you don't need to learn. You need to be encouraged. And you need to encourage one another to shape each other's hearts and, and remind each other why you should believe. Why you should trust in God. Why you should love him. And that's where I, I would beg that you, when you listen to a sermon, or when you talk to one another, don't, you're not looking for something, something new. You're not looking for new information. You're looking for the same information to, to shape your heart a little bit more each time. Look for the things that are actually encouraging. To make you, you love Jesus and keep moving forward. And that's where it, it, you desperately need encouragement and, and you desperately need to encourage one another. Look at verse 13. So we don't just take for granted that people, people are good. No, we exhort one another every day as long as it is called today that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Exhort. Exhort one another. Another translation that, that would just encourage. Exhort, comfort. Those are all the same translation and all the same word. And we need that every single day. Every day. There's a little, a little word thing here. As long as it's called today, you should encourage one another. Now, is today today? Yes, today is today. Is tomorrow going to be today when, it's, when it gets, reaches tomorrow? Yes, it'll be today. This is kind of a silly way of saying it. But as long as it's today and you have a chance to encourage, people need it. Because this is a day that is, is full of trial and full of suffering and, and full of hardship. And that's where we can't be content with with encouraging or being encouraged once a week or twice a month or monthly. No, you need more than that. Our hearts start to get, get cold and get hard and get deceived by sin. We're in the desert. And you should remind each other day by day by day that God is good and God is faithful and God has a purpose. He knows what he's doing. He's going to get you through the wilderness. We're going to make it to the promised land. We need to hear that every day. We need to shape each other's hearts with encouragement.
But the problem is, I think, I think the problem is that we don't actually talk about the heart that much. We don't talk about each other's hearts. We talk about each other's performances or talk about events in people's lives. And we don't get a chance to actually talk about each other's hearts, to encourage one another's hearts. All right, so uh, a solution to this. Solution to this. Uh, it's, a, it's a goofy question that I learned on a missions trip, and it was the best mission trip ever because we were always asking each other's question. And the question is, how is your heart? How is your heart? Not how are you doing. Not how's your day, how is your week. No, how is your heart? And what that question is asking, it's, it's what are you worshiping? What are you loving? What are you pursuing? How are you in Jesus? How is your heart? Is your heart cold? Is your heart full of joy of the Lord? Now, I recognize that's a kind of cheesy question. And I, I feel kind of corny saying it. But I also recognize that I've never actually asked that question. It hasn't been a really productive, really good conversation that we got to talk about encouraging things. So I would challenge us. I would challenge you. You personally. Ask someone that question. Ask them that question. And you're going to see firsthand that people desperately need encouragement. Because you should expect not to hear the joy of the Lord, but that people are suffering, that people are being weighed down by the wilderness and the desert, that people have sin, that their hearts are, are being drawn to, they're being deceived. And that gives us a chance to encourage. And Hebrews actually talks about, it comes... There aren't that many commandments to, to gather together in the Bible. To come together as a church. There's less than we would expect, probably. But the one good one says, come together so that you may encourage one another. That's why we're here. It's because the Christian life is hard. And you owe it to the people in this room to encourage one another. And so you, you haven't actually come to church until you've encouraged someone and been encouraged yourself. You've come to a building, but you haven't actually come to the church. And you haven't done the work that the church is supposed to be doing when it meets. You can't come and, and peace out before you've encouraged and been encouraged. Otherwise, you're not, you're not feeding one another, you're not getting fed, you're... You're going out starving. Ask someone that question. You'll be, you'll be glad you did. But, what are you going to do when they answer the question? How are you going to encourage them? And that's right. Thankfully, thankfully, the passage gives us one specific way. We're going to encourage them with Jesus. We're going to encourage them to hold fast to that simple, original faith that they had in Jesus Christ from the very beginning, the original salvation. So look at verse 14. 
For we have come to share in Christ if indeed we hold our original confidence firm to the end. The calling of, for Christian people is to hold fast to our original confession, our original confidence. Not our confidence in our performance, not our confidence in our emotions or our theology or how we're feeling about God that day. That's not our confidence. Our confidence is in Jesus Christ and what he has done. And when we are discouraged, we look to Jesus and we encourage with Jesus. We don't need more, more teaching. We need to look at our Savior once again. And so I would say that how does Jesus encourage us with this passage? Well, Jesus came into the wilderness. This life is the wilderness and Jesus came right down into it. And he suffered with us. And he suffered for us. He goes out into the desert 40 days and 40 nights. And he's hungry. And he's thirsty. And he is tempted by Satan himself. And in the midst of that temptation, Jesus never loses hope. He never gives in. He never sins. He never questions God. He never tests God. He endures perfectly. Perfect perseverance. And then, Satan, Satan has nothing left to say. He has to wait until an, an, another time. And he meets him in Gethsemane. And there Satan tempts him once again. And Jesus, with, with tears in his eyes and, and blood sweating from his brow, he once again does not test God. He, he receives the cup of wrath. And he's led to, to Golgotha. He's led to the skull. He's led to the wilderness to die for our sin, to die for our unbelief. Now that should encourage us because we do not persevere. We fail. We fall. But Jesus didn't. Jesus, Jesus persevered. Jesus never wavered. His, his heart never led him astray. He never sinned. He never un, unbelieved. That's not a word, but... Um, and we encourage each other with that. That you are in Jesus and Jesus gives you his perseverance. He gives you his endurance. It's not about your performance. It's about Jesus. And we keep looking to Jesus and holding fast to that original confession. And then when Jesus died... He took all of our sin and all of our, that death, all of our unbelief, and rose from the dead. Proving that you can find life after the wilderness. You can find life through death, through suffering, through pain. And Jesus is our guarantee that we're going to make it to the promised land. We're going to make it to heaven. We're going to make it through the wilderness because we are found in him.
That is our encouragement. We tell each other every day that God is good in Jesus. He is good in Jesus. He's given us everything that we need. He's faithful in Jesus. Faithful to pay for our sins. That, that Christ is faithful even when we are not. He has a purpose in Jesus. That if the cross was, was God's greatest victory, maybe there is purpose in our suffering. There is. There is life on the other side. There's a path through the desert. We can't see it oftentimes, but there is. So encourage one another. Encourage one another to trust in nothing but Jesus. To not trust in your works, to not trust in your emotions or your theology or your performance, but to trust in Jesus. That Jesus has persevered. And to hold fast to him. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for Jesus Christ. We thank you for the, the simplicity of, of that original confidence that is everything that Jesus has done and it's nothing that we do. And I ask you that would give us great hope. And that would give us great perseverance that we know we are getting uh, to that promised land because we are found in Christ. Father, for those who are discouraged, I ask that you would first of all show them that, that this life is hard and we are not supposed to be wandering on clouds uh, purely joyful, but we need encouragement. And Father, I ask that you make us faithful to give that encouragement in Jesus Christ that there is life and there is joy and there is hope in him. We pray this in Christ's precious name for his glory.